Good morning to each one of you. Greetings in Jesus' name and uh, greetings from Waterworks. It's, yeah, good to be here with you this morning. Um, as uh, Ray mentioned, yeah, I had a little, a little uh, back incident earlier this week, and so yeah, the doctor prescribed some pretty strong uh, medication for me, so, but I'm uh, feeling pretty good this morning, so uh, if I start speaking a little incoherent or something, I guess you know what, what happened, but no, it's, uh, God has been good, and I do feel, feel good um, this morning, so praise the Lord for that. So yeah, I want to thank you um, for all of your um, prayers for us at Waterworks, um, for your financial support and your prayers. Um, just yeah, continue to pray for the work there as we um, strive to be a light in Waterworks. <clears throat> you can turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I um, shared a message at Waterworks uh, two weeks ago, and uh, there were a few of you here, I believe, that were probably at at Waterworks, and so I uh, decided to go to part two. So I shared on the first um, eight verses of Ephesians chapter five, and um, I decided to share on part two. So we're kind of jumping into the chapter here uh, midway here, but... Um, I do want to do a real brief overview of the first eight verses, um, but before I do that, um, I, I, I had asked a question um, at as, as an introduction, and I thought I would ask the same question here. What do you think this morning, what do you think is the number one danger facing the church today? Think about that for a little. What is the, one, uh, the most, number one danger and you might have different answers. You might have different thoughts on what you what you feel is. Um, maybe maybe we think it's might think it's uh, persecution or government oppression or uh, maybe you, maybe you you think of COVID the past year what we went through and um, churches being closed and churches being closed for good in some cases and uh, maybe you think that might could be a a, a danger. Um, I would. I would like to say this morning, and there's probably different answers, but I believe um, the one, number one danger is when Christians lose their passion for Jesus Christ and apostasy, lo- falling away, losing their first love, as it talks about in Revelation. And you know, the enemy is hard at work today, and there is there is um, powers, outside forces that are attacking the church today, and Satan. You know, the church has survived Satan, the New Testament church has survived Satan for 2,000 years now. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't think it's, you know, when we think of persecution, the, per- the church has thrived in per- when there was persecution and government oppression. Um, I don't think it's, it's outside forces, but I think it can come from within. And I'm not here this morning to say that the church here is cold. Uh, what, I, what I am trying to get us to um, to feel is how can we as God's people develop a passion for Jesus Christ and not allow the, the wicked things in this world, the, the corrupt things that we see that, we, that is, are in our faces every day, the evil, not allow that to, to bog us down. 
and to get us to lose the sight of the goal and what our, what our mission is on this earth. Because um, it can, if we allow it to, so many things that we see um, every day, um, it, it can bog us down and it can distract us, if you will. And so we are called to carry on the torch of faith. We are called to um, be ministers of Jesus Christ and to be followers of him. And so the title of the message is Living in the Light, and it's, it's part two. Um, but that living in the light includes our walk, it includes our talk, it includes everything about our, our lives. <clears throat> And so I want to look down, just briefly look down a few verses, 1 through 8 there. We talked about being followers of God. And it says, be followers of God. It doesn't give any wiggle room there. Be ye therefore followers of God. And as we think about a follower, I think of a child that follows his parents. And that's, that, that's what they do. They, they follow their parents. It's a natural, a natural thing um, for them. And as we think about following, you're going to, if, if you're passionate about something, you're going to follow that whatever it is, whether it's a, a hero that you might follow or maybe it's a sports team or whatever it is. If somebody is, is passionate about something, they're going to follow it and they're going to um, learn everything they can about that whatever it is. And so to develop a passion for God, I think in the same way, we need to follow him. We need to, to know him. We need to feel his heart and, 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 and uh, look for his, to search what his will is for our lives. And then it goes on to say in, in verse 2, to walk in love as Christ hath loved us. And as I think about that, walking in love, there's, you could spend a whole, all morning talking about that. Um, but as we think of Christ as he loved us, it puts a pretty high standard of love, thinking of how Christ loved us and that we are supposed to channel that into our everyday, everyday living. And then verses 3 and 4, it talks about the ungodly activities that we are not, that are not to be a part of our lives. And then verse 4, it talks about our speech and the things that um, we are not to, to, to have a part of if we are living in the light. And then verse 6, it talks about deceivers. And to, to think, when, 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 when this was written, how many deceivers would have been at that time? It, the fact that he's mentioning that there's deceivers. There was 300, approximately 300 million people living at the time when this was written. And today, there's probably 7 billion, maybe, I think maybe even more than that. And just to think of how many deceivers there might be in the world today compared to what, when this was written. And so we need to be so careful. Um, there's deceivers in the world today. There really is. And we have so many things. We have media right at our fingertips. And, and everything is, we have, we have access to, to so much danger. And we need to be so careful. There is deceivers everywhere. And, so, and I went into... First Kings chapter 13, we looked at the old and the young prophet, how it's just a, a bizarre story how the, uh, the young prophet was, was um, going over to the king and uh, bringing him a message. And uh, the, the old prophet um, came, actually went up to him and as he was traveling back and said that, 
you know, come back and eat and drink with me. After God had told the young prophet, no, he is not allowed to eat. He has to go do his mission and then, and then travel right back. And so the old prophet even went to say that there was an angel. An angel told me that you are to come and eat and drink. And he was, he was lying. He was, he, was, he was a deceiver. And um, it's, a, it's a bizarre story how it all ended. But um, the only thing I can conclude is that God requires obedience. Whether, doesn't matter what men say, um, uh, we ought to obey God rather than men. And so we, uh, the end of the story was the young, young prophet was killed, eaten by a lion on his, on his way back. And we're not going to get into that story, but just to, just to think of, of uh, deceivers. <clears throat> and so we're going to talk a little bit this morning about godly living, um, finding, finding God's will. And there's a phrase that I think ties, kind of ties this all together, and I want to say it at this time. If my eyes are fixed on Jesus, there is nothing that can stop us from being exactly who God wants us to be. So let's, let's remember that. This morning. So the first point is on um, is living in the light, and I'm going to take the time now to read verses eight through twenty, Ephesians chapter five, verse eight. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll stop right there at verse 20. So if we looking back, starting at verse 8, um, he mentions, we were sometimes darkness, but now are we light. And that indicates a change. We came from darkness, and now are we light in the Lord. And the verse before, it talks about being deceived. Being deceived by false prophets who um, were involved in, in, in uh, lying and deceiving. Who, who That's what they do. They lie and deceive. And... So we are no longer involved in the same, uh, the same darkness. We have been transformed. Those of us who are, who are Christians this morning, we are transformed because it is the opposite of deceit, light. When you think of light, um, light is the opposite of darkness. And now, since we've been transformed, redeemed, we, have, we um, no longer need to hide. Um, as we think about uh, light this morning, light is a blessing, isn't it? I mean, this morning to have light, it'd be, be rather dark in here without light. And as I think about light, it's the effects of light. It is, it is amazing to see 
um, how light works. Even how a small amount of, of light into a dark room just eradicates the darkness and the darkness flees. And it's, it's uh, I was reminded of that recently um, where there was a, a thunderstorm and it was, it was lightning outside and it was, it was flashing, flashing light, bright light. And I was carrying my son into the house and as we were, as we were uh, going into the house, he was looking up at this, at the lightning and I'm not sure if I had never told him of what, what lightning is, but he looks up and he says, and he says, somebody is turning the lights on up there. And I was thinking, you all, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, you are right. That's, that's what God, the creator of light, he is the one who created that light. And only by the power of our creator um, can, can there be such a thing as lightning. Genesis 1, 3 to 5 says, God created and instituted light. He saw that it was good. Light was good in his eyes. He knew man, God knew man would not survive in darkness. And, and I can't imagine living in, in an area where there's complete darkness. And there is some places like that on earth where there's months on end where it was, it's dark most of the time. And it would be rather discouraging if you think about it. And so as physical light is, is necessary for our well-being, is necessary for our, our lives, um, so, so Christ came to bring light and life to this dark world. And he is the Savior. He is the Redeemer um, that we can turn to and receive that light. And... As we live in the life, in the light, as we live in the light, it is important to remember where we came from. It's important to remember where we came from. We came from darkness and to just to to remember, um, not to remember our our sinful ways, but to remember where the transformation, where we are now as we're living for Christ. And so... Looking down at verses 9 and 10, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, goodness and righteousness and truth. And it says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And as we think about fruit, uh, I was focusing on thinking about that a little bit um, as I was studying the fruit of the Spirit. You know, is, is there fruit um, stemming from my life? Is there fruit in your life this morning? Um, and maybe you might wonder, is God pleased with my life? Is, is God pleased with um, the fruit that is, that is coming from my life? Is it acceptable unto God? And, you know, we may think this morning that God is, is so big and we are, are so small and really what can we do? Um, and is, is God pleased with my life? Um, but if we look here at the fruit of the Spirit, it says, fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and, and the list goes on. And so if, if we are, um, if, if, if God is, is pleased with our lives, there should be fruit coming from our lives. And if we are displaying that fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, if we are displaying that it says, God proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So I believe it is acceptable to the Lord if, if our lives are displaying um, that fruit. 
<clears throat> and then looking at verse 11, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And that, does that take strength um, this morning? You know, it says, rather reprove them. And as I think about, um, thinking about what that's saying there, we are, not, um, we are not to fellowship with them. We are not just to fellowship with them, but to reprove, reprove the, the, wicked, the wickedness of the world. Um, we are to have a, a disdain for the evil things of this world, and we are to take action against against that and to, have, to build up a, a resistance against the evil of this world. And, and I believe this is probably um, one of the top Bible instructions in the Bible right here. Uh, and have no fellowship with the, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And I believe um, in order to do this, we need to love the truth, and we need to love light more than we love um, our, our own comfort and our own popularity, to, to, to be able to reprove evil. And it's probably not going to be the popular thing to, to stand up against evil. Um, there's times where we need to say no. There's times where we need to say no to things like wrong movies and um, wrong music and maybe there's certain relationships we need to say no to um, pornography there's many things that that we are going to need to say no to and if if we are going to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness um, we need to say no and I think some of the a lot of these things come pretty close to us at times there's so many things that are are available at you know at our, at our fingertips so we need to say no. We need to reprove those things. And so, as it's as it's talking about a little earlier or a little later, it says um, they are made manifest by the light. And so, I think by our light, by our lives, it will expose the darkness, and our life should expose the evil, the evil around us. And so, I was uh, recently I was sitting on the back patio and. Um, there was, I heard a commotion up, up overhead, and so I was, I looked up and see once what's going on, and here there was a hawk flying past, and there was a few blackbirds that were, that were flying around this hawk, and they would, they would come swooping in, and they would pretty much hit the, hit the, hit the hawk, and they were swooping around, and they were, they were going at this hawk, and yeah, was, as I was thinking about, you know, thinking about that, how that's how the, the devil attacks sometimes you know he'll, he'll, he comes and attacks and he tries to get us to to give in and he tries to um, do what he can to help us to um, or to, to to make us turn um, back to the darkness that we came from and it's so important that we we shine the light of Jesus Christ and um, and so you know the the world Today, it seems light is is fading in the world today. The uh, the devil's hand is is reaching out, and it can be rather depressing at times to think. But you know, the light within us is brighter than is much stronger 
than the darkness. The light pierces the darkness. And so, as, as uh, it's saying here, rather reprove them. And, no, and as I mentioned, we need to, um, to speak out. And so, there is a time and a place, I believe, to, to speak out and to reprove. And the thought I had was, is, is silence approval? In, in some situations, is silence giving approval to, to whatever it is, whatever the situation may be, if there's sin committed or there's, um, yeah, whatever it is, you know, if we're silent, I think some, some, some uh, situations we need to speak out. We are called as Christians to be the salt and the light of this world, and um, this world so desperately needs Christians, and so... There's throughout the years, Christians have made a tremendous contribution to society um, in taking a stand and speaking out about against the evil. And so in verse 12, it mentions, for it is a shame even to speak those things which are done of them in secret. So, so vile, they are not even to be mentioned. And in verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And so um, I, had, I, had, I was reminded of some politicians, some leaders maybe of our day, who, who uh, when, when the truth comes out, if they're speaking a lie, the truth comes out, they just brush it over and, and, and uh, act like it's nothing to be concerned about. And yet it's so evident that there's, there's, uh, it's, it's an untruth. And there's rarely an apology. But, you know, for us this morning, is my life, is your life genuine? Are we living in the light? Living in a way that uh, we can see where we came from, from darkness to light. And so in verse 14, um, it says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And so... Are we awake this morning? Are we alive? Um, I think the fact that, he said, that it's mentioned here, awake thou that sleepest, um, the fact that it is mentioned there is, says that there is possible that, that there are those that are sleeping. And when you're sleeping, there's not much happening. I mean, it's as if you're dead when you're sleeping. And so he calls us to wake up and arise from the dead. And so Christ, Jesus Christ wants to fill us with his light this morning. And if we are if we are sleeping. And so he wants to fill us with his presence and with his spirit. Um, and so I do also believe along those lines, um, if we want to have a passion for Christ, we need to have a burden for the lost. And we went through Bible school, uh, summer Bible school this past week. And um, studied a little bit on evangelism, and as we're thinking about the lost, um, do we have a passion for the lost? Do I feel sorry for the lost as I think of the lost heading to a Christless eternity and, and um, living in sin? And um, it should, I believe it should give us a burden for the lost. <clears throat> and so I believe here the Ephesian church may have been um, slipping, slipping back, and Paul was trying to um, to draw them back and to see the error of of their ways. And you know, I just yeah, hopefully this morning that we are 
awake, alive spiritually, and letting um, Christ shine through us um, to this dark world. <clears throat> so that brings us to the second point, living with purpose. And so, living with purpose, um, that is more important, I believe, than ever before, that we as Christians live with purpose. And then we'll see that in the next few verses. Uh, we're looking at what it means to walk circumspectly. And circumspectly means careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Prudent. So to walk circumspectly, I believe, is referring to thinking before we act. To, to, be, to not be rash. And that word rash comes to my mind. It, the meaning of that is displaying or proceeding from a lack of careful consideration of the possible consequences, consequences of an action. And somehow, believe it or not, I earned that, that uh, nickname, Rash, when I was in grade school. And so that always kind of bugged me that I, I got called that. And it must have been true, I don't know. but. Um, Somehow, maybe I, I don't know if I just barged right ahead and didn't think before I did some things, I don't know. But to, in, in our looking at circumspectly and thinking about um, doing things um, before, thinking about before we act, and we need to use, use discretion and wisdom in the choices that we make in life. Not as fools, but as wise. And so, it says, not as fools, but as wise. And so that is um, thinking about wisdom, um, a, having a godly wisdom. And as we think about wisdom, who was the wisest man that ever lived? I'm going to guess Solomon would come to your mind. Solomon was the wisest man, and yet he was one of the most foolish. And so... I just, yeah, I'm just thinking about that and just imagining how much um, uh, different it could have been if he would have spent his resources and if he would have used his, the wisdom that God had given him, if he would have used that all for the Lord instead of uh, squandering it for um, himself and for selfish reasons. Although he did build the temple, that's to his credit, that was um, a, good, a good thing. Going on into verse 16. It mentions redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so the Greek word there for redeeming is exaggerazo. Exaggerazo or something, I think it says. And that, is, uh, that means to build, to buy up from ransom, to buy up from ransom, to re rescue from loss, to redeem. And so to buy back something that was lost, to buy back time that was lost. And right away when I read over that, I, I thought of the pipeline um, incident here a little few weeks ago where there was um, gas stations were, were low in fuel for, for weeks or whatever it was, and where there was Russian hackers that was able to hack into this pipeline and close down a, a, a pipeline for a little while, which caused a lot of a lot of chaos. And just to, to think of, I guess they got some of, that, some of that back. I don't think they got it all back, but the ransom money, but they were able to, able to get 
to, to get that back. And just to think of redeeming, to buy, buying something back. And so we think of redeeming our time. And that also is redeeming our time, meaning using our time wisely for... Um, and, and so as I was studying, studying this, I was right, studying this verse, and one of my children came up to me and was wondering if they could have my phone because they want to watch some children's videos or whatever on my phone. And I said, no, I, this is the verse I'm, I'm, I'm studying here, redeeming the time. We are to use our, our time wisely. And so I, well, they're wondering what that means. So I had to mention, uh, try to, in a child's way, what redeeming the time means. And so something profitable, using for profitable. Well, what does that mean? So sometimes, sometimes children, you have to get it into, a, into their level. But just to think of, of, of that and to explain that um, to our, our children, that we are to use our time wisely. And so I am not trying to make a mother here feel guilty who wants to have some peace and quiet, and they uh, use that as a convenient babysitter. But just anyway, just reminding us how valuable our time is on this earth, and so, and uh, I was I was thinking about how our life is a vapor. is It's it's uh, it's so short. It's as in in the winter time, you blow into the air and there's a vapor and then it disappears. That's that's how the Bible describes our lives, our lifespan on this earth, and so that's. That's something to think about, to consider, you know, we, to, to think again of how short our time is and to use it all for God's, for God's glory. <clears throat> and so as I, I, was, so I was studying, I came across some statistics here. Um, the average 18 to 34-year-old today spends 43% of their time on media, whether that's phone, iPad, um, screen, whatever. And so... Yeah, I, I hope that percentage would be smaller for us here, a lot smaller for here, us here today, but you think of that, of that percentage of time and then you spend how much time sleeping and you might argue whether that's profitable or not, but you spend all this time and how much time do we have left for things that are for, for God and for things that are profitable? Not saying that media is not profitable, I'm not saying that at all. There is a lot of, um, of uh, good uses for that, but you get the point. Um, as we think about the, the, our span of life on this earth, let's use it for God's glory. Um, because, as it says, the days are evil. And that's, and that's so, so true. Moving on to verse 17 there. It, or, uh, verse, verse uh, let's see. Yeah, 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. That tells me that the will of the Lord is, is understandable. We can know what the will of the Lord is. <clears throat> and so, I don't know about you, but as I've gone through life, I have many times wondered, what is God's will for my life? Where, where is God leading me? What does he want me to do in, in a decision that I'm making? And I'm sure all of you have had that same same questions, and what is God's will for my life? And, and so there's times where we, we I, for myself, I prayed many times, what do you want me to do in this situation? And sometimes we, we sense that right away. Sometimes it's, it's a wow. 
Um, we don't always know exactly, and sometimes it's very clear that what it, we are to do, the choice we are to make. And so um, the Bible mentions various places in the Bible what God's will is. And I think, I think we're going to quick go through them. There is, there is six S's of knowing God's will. And I, it would be easier if it was only three, but there's six here. So um, it, I, I should say it would be easier to remember if there was only three, but there's, there's six here. So the first one in 1 Timothy <clears throat> chapter 2, verses, verses uh, 3 and 4. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So the first one is saved. That, that's, that's God's will for each one of us, that we are saved. And so the, uh, the next one is, is actually in the, the very next verse in, in, Ephesians chapter, uh, in Ephesians 5 there. It says, And be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that is the other, the, the second one, spirit-filled. So it's saved, spirit-filled, and then the third one comes from 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. First Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And so the third one is sanctified. And so what it means to be sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? Um, it means to be set apart and declared holy, to be consecrated, um, to be free from sin, and to, pure, to be purified, uh, to, to, to morally live different from the world. So saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, and the fourth one is submissive. And in, in Peter, it talks about being submissive to those in authority. So submissive is the fourth one, and the fifth one, suffering. And that there is in 1 Peter chapter 3. We can turn, turn there, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. That's, suffering is one that doesn't come real easy. This in here is probably the hardest one for us here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. says, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Suffer for well-doing. Suffering for righteousness' sake. And many times we, we think, you know, if, if a criminal suffers, he kind of deserved it. He got what he deserved. But when you think of Christians suffering, we don't think of it that way. And so how can it be that it is God's will to suffer. And let's go to uh, chapter 4, verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator, according to the will of God. And so, as we think about suffering, nobody likes, likes pain and, and suffering. Um, I do want to read one more verse here before uh, verse, uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 14. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, 
happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. And so when we think of, of suffering and going through experiencing whatever it is that we're suffering, it may not be physical pain, it may be other things that are causing us to, um, to suffer. And, and uh, as we think about what it does, I believe it has a way of making us stronger. And, and I believe sometimes God uses suffering to draw others to him and to bring him glory. We don't always understand that. And, and I do know that God does not like when we suffer, when we experience, experience pain. I mean, it, it hurts him, I do believe. Um, but he uses that sometimes, I do believe, to bring him glory. And I think when, when, um, suffer, when, when a Christian is suffering, it sends a message to none, uh, like none other to unbelievers. As, we th as you think about um, how a Christian can go through that, um, you think of the, those that were persecuted, how they can go through that and still trust in God and still um, have a dependence on, on him, even though they're experiencing that. And so that's probably one of the, one of the tougher ones here. But, um, and, and then the last one is, uh, is the sixth one, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. <clears throat> Five eighteen says, "In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." So the last one is, is give thanks, and that's, you know, as as we think about these these six these six uh, areas of finding God's will: saved, spirit filled, sanct, uh, sanctified, uh, suffering, submissive, and um, saying thanks. We might wonder, how does that? What does that have to do with? me finding God's will or me finding the right job or, or uh, maybe it's who to marry or what mission I am to be um, involved in. I think if we are following these six things, if they're a part of our lives, God will give us the desires of our heart. He will show us what he wants and, and he does want us to seek. He do, we need to seek. That is part of finding it. We need to seek what he wants and what is right for us, but I believe God will, will show you. And when you are in God's will, your life will, should be making a difference. When you're following God's will, it should be making a difference. <clears throat> and so 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 15 want to read that here at the end. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. <clears throat> For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And so God this morning, God wants us to have, I believe that verse is saying, he wants us to have a visible testimony in our lives. And it will always be to make a difference. It will always be to make a difference and to put to silence the ignorance. Um, in other words, men will see Christ through us and will learn how to live and to live for Christ. And so, um, looking at the verse 18, go back to Ephesians 5. <clears throat> looking at uh, verse 18 says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I don't have a lot of time to go through this verse here. We do need to close soon. Um, 
but what he's saying here is very simple. It's, it's uh, simple as that. We don't need to go through all the scriptures in the Bible. We know all the, the scriptures that um, talk about the dangers of, of what wine does and, and, and drinking it. And these, these, the pagans of the time, believed that drunkenness was a way to attain a higher level of religious consciousness to, to their gods of the time. And they believed that they were able to communicate with, with their gods through drunkenness. And, and so these here, uh, the, the Christians, they were drawn from that. They were drawn out of that, of that kind of a lifestyle and into the, the Christian church. And his, his admonition here is, do not be involved in that. And the dangers that 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 brings, and and just the fact that they were, you know, they were having a hard time, I believe, um, eliminating and cutting off things that they were so used to in their past life. And so when they came to the Christian church, things were different. It was it was now you now it was he was asking to be God wants us to be filled with the Spirit and not with those things that that. Uh, are, are, are not right in our lives. <clears throat> and there's so much more I'd like to, to say about that verse, but I believe we'll, we'll uh, continue on. We know what the dangers of, of it is <clears throat> and how many lives were destroyed through, through alcohol. And um, it, is, it, is, it is the devil's drink. We know... It is used by Satan to break up families and to destroy lives, and so we should refrain. Uh, verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so, as we are filled with the Spirit, we will be singing songs of goodness, songs of spirit-filled praise. And that's what God's heart is for us this morning. And that was some of the problem here with the pagans as well. They would be singing and dancing um, to, to their gods, and they would be getting drunk. And we all know what the song, the song of a drunkard is. Most of us have probably seen um, those intoxicated at a time, and it's not—it's—it's it's an incoherent rambling. It's not a very beautiful song at all. But when God's people sing in church or wherever it is, it's a beautiful sound. It's a sweet sound, and I believe it, it's a song that catches the attention of the world. And so, there is something about singing—singing a cappella music in in church. I know some churches choose to go other routes and to have instruments and. But I think there is, there is something that about uniting our hearts in, in spirit-filled a cappella uh, worship. And that is something that is, just, that is just wonderful. The last verse. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks. And that is so important in our lives. Um, gratefulness is an expression of the heart. I think... Being able to be thankful even when there's a loss in our lives or there's an uncertainty um, in our lives, being able to be thankful, um, you know, always, it says always for all things. And so it's easy to be thankful when our health is good and, and to, you know, when our checking account has, has something in it. And, 
the bills are being paid and, and life is good, it's easy to give thanks. But what about when, when it's not so, when it is not that way? And are we still thankful for life and for the breath of life to live another day? And, and so let's be thankful that we can live with purpose and we can live um, in the light. And so, yeah, that our, so live in a way so our neighbors can see Jesus. And so we have so much, in, 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 we have so much to be thankful for. Um, and I think um, sometimes I, 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 the thought came to me, what is, what is God thinking what does God think when he sees me complain about something that whether it's paying taxes or, or uh, complaining about something in our lives? And he's looking down and at the same time he's looking at that person that's sitting in a, a little hut, a little shack over in Haiti and they're just content with what they have and God can see both. And, and what, is, what is he thinking? It's just something I thought of um, and we have so much to be thankful for. And so gratefulness is part of the life of purpose. So in conclusion, as we go through the week, let us not be bogged down with the evil around us. Um, just keep our eyes on the goal. Keep our eyes on, on Jesus. Um, walk in love. Walk in the light. And walk with purpose. And we will... If we're following Jesus Christ, we should be displaying the fruits of the Spirit and be fruitful as we radiate Christ and as we live our, our lives for, for Christ. So remember, if our eyes are on Jesus, there's nothing that can stop us from being exactly who God wants us to be. I think I'll close with a prayer and then uh, we can have a verse of song and then you can consider yourselves dismissed. So let's all stand for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you again today, thanking you so much for the life that you give us in Christ, the, we, the life that we can experience, that we can live in freedom. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to worship you in song, and to gather corporately like this, Lord, it's a wonderful privilege. And so we want to give you all the honor and the glory. We want to worship you today and praise you for what you have done for us in coming, Lord, and dying for us, making it possible that we can be called your children. And so we just <clears throat> thank you for who you are and what you have done for us. Just help us to walk in love. Help us to walk in the light this week and to be a shining light for you, to our neighbors, to those we meet, those we um, come in contact with. Lord, just lead, guide, and direct us. Be with us, Lord, as we go from here. In your name I pray. Amen.